You're listening to The Art of Business with Jake Lee and Brian Arisal. We're doing it. We're doing it. It's our first podcast. Show's happening. Show this is... This is like my 30th. Yeah, so, like, you've had experience in podcasting. I have no experience. Yeah. What was your first podcast? Uh, it was the Idiot Lab. The with, Idiot Lab. With Brian and Jay. We were super big in Slovakia. Really? They loved us in Slovakia. <laughs> it's like... It, that, that, that reminds me of... Have you ever seen that movie, Singles? No, no, it's only parts. Only, only parts. parts on VH1 back in the day. Oh uh, well, there's there's a there's a snippet of um, Matt Dillon and the members of Pearl Jam sitting around, and they're telling all the bad review they got. Yeah, and he says, "But we're still good in Sweden. <laughs> they love us. Our album's rocking there." So I'm glad that uh, Slovakia. I think it was like a six to one ratio. Like every every listener we had in the states, yeah. we had six. In Slovakia, I, that's awesome. I don't know what we did to appeal to Slovakia. It, it was probably bots that were downloading it. Um, <laughs> well, that's that's fine. Yeah, but it was pretty cool, man. Yeah. So, and what was that mostly about? Uh, we would kind of just cover like news topics. Yeah. Uh, Jay would come to me with these like really weird news pieces, and then we would just talk about them. Ah. That's kind of it. And, and then we would get into like serious discussions about yeah i uh, remember when we sobriety and sexuality and stuff like he'd be like okay this chick stole all this money and then killed herself and i'm like cool but what about dicks and then we just talked about dicks for an hour (laughs) (laughs) that's pretty much it oh my god yeah (laughs) yeah yeah well this is a little bit of different podcast a little bit so there's still gonna be dicks though yeah oh yeah there'll be dick jokes where you make the money yeah and by the money i mean how I pay money to someone to host this thing. <laughs> <laughs> the um, so like, how long ago, like, did we kind of talk about this? Like two week, two months ago. Yeah, about two months ago. So like, yeah, and even before that, you were kicking it around as like a YouTube yeah thing, vid video cast, yeah. or some kind of live Twitch broadcast or something. Yeah, um, which could still happen. But one, I mean, we have a lot of things that we have in common. Um, and that's why I think I can have a discussion with you for more than two hours. Yeah, it also helps that um, I I know all this shit too. Yes, <laughs> and you have the equipment. Yeah, but um, I'm a big big fan of podcasts. I listen to at least one a day of all sorts, and there's not really that many for artists or anything about art. There's generalization ones. But yeah. not really ones I enjoy. It's like... There's not really, like... I don't know. Would you say broad topic? Yeah. Because we want to get into, like... This is the business of art. Finance, yeah. social media, marketing, all Everything. that stuff. Yeah. It, it's it's someone who's interested in taking their art career to the next level uh, and also kind of informing them the pros and cons of everything and really telling them the truth yeah, through... Um, our experiences and then down the road future interview experiences yeah you learn from mistakes and we've made a ton yeah <laughs> and we, we, we discussed this recently you know learning from your mistake is probably the best way uh, for me at least it seems like after every convention art fair any kind of gig that you book you and I sit down and we're like well why did it really suck yeah. Or why did, yeah. It's like. Or why was it great? Yeah. Like, how did how did this become so successful? Or how did this bomb? Like, what what did I do wrong? What what could I have done better? Yeah. Um. So we'll we'll be discussing that stuff. I just I feel like there there's some podcasts out there that are a little bit for artists, but it's like, um, the best way I say it is like the uh, arts and crafts style, and that's just not our thing. There's, there's that, and I've come across some that are like design specific. I actually listen to some of those. I like those, but they're good. Like, but they only work if you've got your computer in front of you, yeah. And you're like looking at the stuff that they're telling you about because it's a, it's an oral yeah. medium. It's graphic design. It's something. It's hard to through a software. It's hard to hear about design without seeing it. Yeah, it doesn't really kind of click as a podcast. Yeah, 
Yeah, this, so this is, is kind of like the behind the veil stuff that nobody really talks about. Yeah, about, no, yeah. Unless that, you're talking to other artists. Yeah, and that's the thing is like a lot of artists do talk to each other, and we'll be just for future reference, we've gotten a, a good handful of people yeah. who are willing to be interviewed, so we're really excited for future episodes. But like at the same time, it's like we want, we really want to tell the listener, like, this is how it is. Like, it's not always sprinkles and rainbows. No, sometimes it's barely breaking even. Yeah, and we want to tell you that. And I can say this, and I'm I'm okay saying this. Like, there's times where I didn't break even on me too. You know, and does it affect my morale? Oh yeah, is it 100 percent? My like, do I question things? 100. Yes, most definitely. Do I almost have like a feeling of regretting and wanting to quit? Yeah. But then like the next day, you you just gotta pick yourself up and do it. So. I think this is going to be a kind of a cool podcast for artists. Be a lot more visual, but we're going to definitely get people in, um, that do independent films in all sorts of different medias of art. Yeah, even uh, like culinary, maybe yes. furniture. Yes, we got a photographer. Everything. Yeah, everything you can think of. So, so that is it. This is the uh, the art of business. Yeah, and I'm Jake Lee, Brian Arisol. So you might be sitting here and just be like, you know, I clicked on this fucking podcast and who are these two dipshits? Well, I would think episode one, they probably, they we, we're not, well, they know who we are because the only people that are listening are people we know. Yeah, but <laughs> sooner or later. But they're probably also thinking like, why are these dipshits that we know doing a podcast? Yeah, that's true. Why yeah. are we doing it? Yeah, I just, I think our, I just want that podcast to be. I want it to be something I would want to listen to and be really excited every two weeks. And, yeah, yeah. Um, Which also is our release schedule. Every, yeah. Every two weeks is what we're shooting for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, However it is, um, I mean, throughout the, the art community, despite people making things, mm-hmm. every artist is a procrastinator. Yes. <laughs> um, yes. So we're shooting for every two weeks. We'll see. So like, We'll see if it works that way. I mean... I'm gonna I'm gonna throw the questions to you, my man. Yeah. Um, who are you, Brian Arisol? When did you start making art? Oh man, that's a. You want me to get into the nitty gritty dirt of it all? Do you want to? Yeah, I've done it on the other podcast. <laughs> sure. So I started my I guess the medium would be stencils and spray paint. Mm-hmm. And Arisol. Yeah, Arisol. Arisol. Apparently, there's a there's an English uh, British dude named Arisol. Oh. Yeah, go after him. I don't think it'll be a problem because I've been doing this problem, this long and he's never said anything. If there is a problem, yeah, we'll take care. We'll cut him down. Yeah, <laughs> we'll throw him into a into a river, <laughs> just like the colonials did. <laughs> um, Jesus, <laughs> evidence. Yeah. All right. But yeah, I started doing this like where would I be now? Five years ago, I started with with a friend, which is why the the initial. Uh, I don't know what would you call project. it. Company group was called the Aerosol Project. It's almost like a co-op, and that co-op by like a yeah co-group. Yeah, yeah. So Artist it was group. me. It was me and another friend that were doing. We were both doing stencils and spray paint, and it started out uh, right around the time I'd stopped drinking, so I had to keep my hands busy at yeah. all times. Was and was art kind of like at that point like therapy or some kind of like. Just keep moving, keep doing something, so yeah. I don't yeah. think about. Yeah, it still is. Yeah, it still is. And I gotta ask, how many years? I just hit uh, six years That's on the sixteenth of June. That's fucking awesome, dude. Yeah, six years. So I can I can mark it by being a year sober. And that's when I was like, I gotta find a hobby or something, because I think before I was just like driving. All the time, yeah. just to stay busy. You still do that. Oh, I do that. Yeah, you still do that. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm not good at jogging, so you know, driving works better. Yeah. But I started with a friend. Uh, he's not doing it anymore. He kind of just disappeared, and he's off doing whatever. I'm I'm not really 100 percent sure anymore. But you kept going. Yeah, I kept going. But it, it started with with him, and then a couple of other friends were like, "We're gonna do urban repelling." And wherever we do urban repelling, we're gonna put a spray paint tag there. And I'd I'd already been a big fan of you know those guys like Shepherd Fairy, Banksy, uh, Space Invader, yeah, that whole crew of like 
it was up and coming the street artists that yeah. were already coming like I feel like that entire wave of street art kind of like started coming in like mid 2000s yeah I was gonna say like early aughts yeah early to mid aughts yeah um so yeah we were gonna start doing that and I was like I'm terrified of heights I'm not repelling from shit but I'll help you design stencils because I think they're fun and I, I like that idea of you know the repetitive nature mm-hmm. of of items showing up in urban environments and like documenting, yeah, that kind of stuff. I mean, that's what a podcast is. It's all about documentation, really. Yeah, the thing I like about street art or any kind of um, art that is kind of in public spaces is that like with certain galleries. It's just so white wall and very intimidating to go in. Yes. And, like, the art could be amazing. I really would love to go in, but I feel so intimidated because I feel like it's that high, highbrow art, you know, very high class. And yeah. um, when putting it on the streets for everyone, I can go see it. And, you know, I remember when I was young, I would sit, it's called bench, but I would bench and watch uh, freaking trains go by and just oh, see. Oh, yeah, yeah all the different types of graffiti artists from all around the world because that's why that's how it started yeah really i liked it but so you're still doing stencils still yeah and it's all stencils all stencils now see the back to what you were saying though like the 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 beauty that i had with with stencil art was that you could also inject humor into it yeah um which i'm a big big comedy big stand-up kind of fan so my stencils were like 60s Batman and Robin mm-hmm. doing like the rappelling down a building yeah. and I would put it on like a stair like a step <laughs> yeah so you'd have a miniature Batman and Robin going down <laughs> yeah yeah or we he designed a have you seen this wizard from Harry Potter that we would slap around town I think my earliest one I saw of yours that you pointed out yeah was the pit boy oh yeah yeah we did a pit boy we did a the very first one I ever did was a snake pliskin I did a, a Wyatt Earp that said "fuck the police" <laughs> um, and stuff like that. Yeah, uh, just I art is too serious sometimes, and yeah. it's it's fun to inject humor into it. It's it's kind of disarming, and that's that's a good thing. Art's very intimidating. It is, but it's also very relieving and mental like state. Yeah, yeah. No, you can tell when you're looking at something. You're like, there's a lot of anger. Or yeah. people are working through some stuff here. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yes. It's good to sometimes put it on the canvas too. I mean, look at like Jackson Pollock's stuff. Like that, that dude. Oh, it's amazing. Oh, he was working through some stuff. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. So you're still doing. So throughout the six years, okay, yeah. you were doing it on the streets. It was really just the first year we were doing. Yeah, with this group, and then you and then like winter came and it was cold out and I was like, screw that. And I work at a secondhand bookstore, and we just we get all kinds of garbage coming through there that we can't sell, and people are just like, "Get! I don't want it back. Just get rid of it." Yeah. So I started taking like old books, um, pieces of wood. Mm-hmm. You would say, "Why is wood coming into a bookstore?" <laughs> I don't know, man. People are bringing in like crates and stuff, and you smash the crates open. Yeah. And just use like pieces of the wood from the crates, sand it down, put art on it. Um, or, you know, vinyl records, sleeves. So you try to find any kind of supplies you had. Yeah, that you anything get. can be a canvas when it's yeah. spray paint. Really, with any art, for yeah. the most part, anything's a canvas. You were making art with whatever you could get. Yeah. Yeah, which is, is still what I'm doing today. Yeah. Uh, I, I primarily do pieces currently on vinyl records or wood or plexiglass mm-hmm. and I started doing conventions that's where I was gonna go is when after did, that first year yeah so like w- was there a point where you were like yeah I need to make money or was it kind of like I just want to try this out and see what it's like uh kind of kind of it was like I had just a, a milk crate full of these vinyl records that I was just doing like kind of rudimentary simple two-layer designs a white and a black and then the backgrounds were typically like splatter or gradients. Yeah. Nothing complex or anything. But I was designing like kind of original stuff. It wasn't just like, here's a Bill Murray or 
you know, a simple two-layer snake pliskin. It was it was kind of like I was doing mashups. So I took my favorite one that I did that I should recreate at some point was I took the astronaut from 2001 Space Odyssey mm-hmm. and I put these like giant Leonardo da Vinci style wings on him and then I did like a spacescape behind them. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, it's really cool. It's one of my favorite like two layers that I did. But I did a whole bunch of all these simple two layers and I was invited to go to one of the the bookstore that I work at. It's a chain. Mm-hmm. And they have they just had a space and they were like we're doing an event you want to come set up stuff i know you got all that extra stuff try and sell some of it yeah so i went down there didn't sell a single piece no i sold one to an employee at the bookstore really um and i it was a really it was cheap i think it was selling them at like 15 10 bucks something like that yeah um and as we were packing up to leave after being there for probably like five hours i think it was Billy from uh, Indiana Toy and Comic Expo okay. approached me as I was packing up and he's like, dude, I'm doing this convention. Uh, where was that at? It was on the north side it of Indianapolis. It was like the west or something. Yeah, it was it's on the north side of Indianapolis. Yeah. And he was like, dude, I'm doing this convention. It's our first year. I like your stuff. Do you want to try it out? I'll shoot you an email. So he sent me an email and you know the tables were super cheap they still are super cheap which is one of the greatest things about that show is he just he's getting constant people coming to that thing yeah and it's super cheap to to set up and get in and um i'm kind of kind of indebted to that dude for getting me started in the convention scene how long ago was that um four years yeah it was like four years so i've been doing cons for four years and you it seems like in the first show gangbusters i made so much money really on that first show which was great but then it made me think like oh dude every show i'm gonna make like yes like yes near a thousand dollars yeah <laughs> this is amazing yeah i'm gonna quit the job that's not and how do it, it is full time no but that was a that was a great because it was the first show so they didn't know how many people were going to show up yeah. what the attendance was going to be like and it was in such a tiny space. Oh, I remember. I went. Dude, I had to stand on chairs to talk to people. <laughs> like, that's how crazy it was. I It was like an auctioneer. Yeah. It was insane. That's awesome. And then, you know, we went back to the friend's apartment, started counting the money, and we're like, Jesus Christ. This is awesome. Let's start doing more. <laughs> so, on average, how many do you, you still do them? How many do you do a year? A year? Yeah. Um, hmm. How many are you doing this year? I do like two a month. Two a month. Yeah, close to it. It depends on the size of the show and like if it's out of state. And you used to just do around the Midwest, and now you, like when we talk, you're branching out. You're going to like Baltimore. I went to New Orleans earlier this year. Yeah. Going to Baltimore. Two weeks, I'm going to Raleigh, North Carolina. Yeah. We we did that Detroit. Yeah, Motor no, City. Novi show. So you're starting to you're starting to yeah move. I mean, out. Airbnb makes it so cheap and easy to do. It does. Yeah, it does. Now comparing from back then, five years ago, I mean, your style has developed. You've yeah. I mean yeah, you're starting to try new mediums too. Yeah, yeah, and every every other year, I take like a similar subject matter, mm-hmm. and like I'll find an alternate kind of. Uh, picture angle of that subject matter and I'll just redo it to see kind of where I'm at and and how it's starting to look like every every year I was doing like a new Harley Quinn yeah piece so I started out I did like a single layer Bruce Tim style from the animated series the next year I did a three layer white black red uh, from the animated series again the year after that, I did like an Adam Hughes kind of one. I don't remember how many layers it was, but it had like blue highlights for her like latex costume. Yeah. And then the current one that I've got, which is a pretty good seller of my prints. That's the one I know. Is like that's like a tin layer, and it's got multiple yellows for her hair so she's not wearing the cowl yeah I, I just i like to take one subject and keep doing it a little bit just to chart my progress and see where yeah. i'm at 
So from doing like one or two layers to now, you're almost going like eight to ten. I got a, that Rocky Horror yeah. piece that I've got is twenty. Twenty layers. Twenty. You cursory glance, it looks like it's maybe like seven. With all the fine details. Yeah, but there's like overlapping of like yeah. the same color. Yeah. And then even like your surfaces, like I've seen that develop. Like you, no. you were doing on anything you got, then with on vinyl, which is probably. I would say, as I use the word, your bread and butter. Yeah, it's it's what I do most. Yeah, it's a lot of vinyl. But now I've, you're, I see you doing it on some canvases, maybe some plexiglass. Your wood, wood, yeah, and not even that. Well, that that portrait style is much easier to make prints of than a circle. Yeah, which is why I'm starting to do more portrait style. Yeah, and like I mean, even uh, we'll get to it sometime down the road. But like when I had some of your work in my old gallery, I mean, it was. I remember the one I remember the most was the fallout one where you used actual fencing and then you had a contour cut yeah on yeah. the subject matter and then it was raised above it so it was floating over the fence well that was like my first time being in a in a group show so I had to and it's so I had to put a lot of work into it to stand out yeah because you know there's that thing in the back of your mind as an artist where people are giving you money to do something you love so you think you're a fraud like people are gonna catch you at some point so if it's something big like that i'm like fuck i gotta sh i gotta show up to this thing yeah i don't want to screw it up and then the next show you did was that mars attacks piece yeah which i loved it was a contour cut of one of the aliens but then like the world that he was holding was a vinyl yeah yeah like you're mixing these different mediums now and you're like saying like okay Here's what I know is stenciling and cutting and spray painting, and here's some new mediums, surfaces and stuff, and now you're kind of mixing it in together and creating a whole new composition. Yeah, I mean, you got to stand out at cons, and the like. more shows I go to, the more I see spray paint people yeah. doing the thing. So you've got to constantly keep being better and, and kind of testing your own limits yeah. of what you can do. So that's me. That's you. I'm still doing it. Yeah. What about you, man? I mean, how long have we known each other now? A few years now. Three? Yeah. You say three? I think so. I, I mean, mean, we're not dating or anything, so I don't keep that number in the back of my head. Our anniversary's <laughs> next week. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, actually it would be, because we met at Indie Toy and Comic Expo. Is that... <laughs> what? No. Yeah. Is that, is that really how... Is that the first time we met, though? Uh, formally, yeah. I mean, I'd gone to, Some to your, of my shows? your gallery. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Some of the shows. Uh, Epion introduced... Us. Yeah, because I knew him... Before. From, yeah, when I started doing stencils, because he's, he's my favorite stencil artist. And it's crazy that I know him now. And we're friends. Yeah, yeah, he introduced me to you at Indie 20 Comic Expo probably three years ago. Three years ago. Yeah, I mean, I'm not gonna... I'll go brief history, because... Yeah, because I've already eaten up about 30 minutes <laughs> of me. That's fine. That's fine. I mean... I don't uh, even think I know your secret origins. My secret origins? Well, that's good. Um, <laughs> not many people will, which is probably the way I want to keep it. <laughs> but um, I, I will say I went to a um, an art school, and I went for to do comic books. Like, I wanted to draw an ink comic. And I went for the program... And I totally hated it. I mm. did not feel welcome. I did not like it. It was too... I just didn't feel like there was a structure to it. I'm a guy who likes structure. And so... Yeah, they can't <laughs> see the, the massive email of talking points you sent. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Scene one, act one, scene yeah. two. Yeah. So, I mean, that's a good thing, though. Yeah, so I, uh, I switched my major to illustration. And it was... There was, uh, well, going to it, there was this um, talk at my school hosted, and it was all these um, illustrators and sequential artists, comic book artists, that do web comics, independent comics, self-publishing, and they all talked. And this illustrator was up there, and he made a big circle. And then he made the a guy? Huh? Do you remember the guy? Are we allowed to talk about the guy? I don't remember the guy's you name. You don't remember the guy's name? No, I don't ah, remember. That's too bad. And he made a dot and a big circle. So he made a dot and a circle. And he says, this dot is the opportunities that sequential artists who want to get into comic books. And then this big circle that was huge around it, he said, this is the opportunity that illustrators can get a job. 
Yeah. And he said, you have to almost be as good or better than what the people are in the industry to get into the big houses. Marvel, DC, Image, Dark Horse. And I was really gung-ho on superheroes. Like, that's what I wanted to do. And then I kind of had that realization, like, well, I'm not that good. So I need to go to illustration. It takes a lot of hustle. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of a lot of hours on that drawing board. Like yeah. 12 a day, you know, just keep drawing. And that was the thing was like I even had they even had editors come to that school before and like talk about how you could improve because like know, from the big 3? Yeah. Really? Oh, uh, Dark Horse. Okay. And um, they they were like, you know, I would always draw figures and faces and close-up of faces and figures and action poses. But they're like, dude, you got to draw backgrounds cities. and cities and streets yeah. and cars and interior, like not even thinking of it, interiors of houses. and well, like, Can you pull a lamp out of your ass right now? No. <laughs> so I, I kind of had that realization. So I moved to illustration where then I could be more conceptual and mess with different mediums. And I was really into that and so I did I graduated in an, with an illustration degree and I thought I was the absolute shit yeah and um, uh, there was a couple weeks before we graduated I went to New York and I had my portfolio and I went to all these different magazines because I wanted to do editorial and I went to all these magazines and like literally old school like 1950s knocked on art directors doors yeah and try to get my portfolio out there sending emails but like I'll be at your uh, I'll be around you know <laughs> um, if you have time or a coffee break or whatnot could you please just look at my portfolio and weirdly I had a couple of yeses yeah yeah um, a lot of no I mean it's cold calls you know cold yeah, calls are yeah. just not good a lot of like art directors hate cold calls so then like I go to, I had, I'll always remember this. I went to Rolling Stone magazine, and I'll remember his name forever. And his name was Steve Charney, and he was the art director, design director at Rolling Stone at that time. And I show him my portfolio, and he goes, you know, you got some good stuff, but illustration, everyone's competing for a job. The one thing he said to me was kind of funny because he looked at some of my stuff, and I it's funny, it was like, I, I did the illustration, but then I did the illustration, like, mocked up in a magazine or kind of, like, with text and headline treatment or whatnot. To see how it looks, like, cropped. To see how it looked, like, published. And yeah, like almost. yeah. And he's like, you would, you would work good working in publication, too. Yeah. Like, if you want to get an illustration, if you want to do illustrations, you, you should work for a magazine and do illustrations for the magazine. Then I literally went home with no jobs. Did you say to him, well, you have a magazine? <laughs> no. No, I didn't. Um, but I, he did show me some uh, original Ralph Steadmans. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. And so, which we're in like this meeting room where he did the portfolio review. But um, I think I was there for about a week and um, pretty much came home empty-handed, graduated, went back to where I'm from, and no job. You know, in a portfolio. So I was trying to, like, keep myself busy. And, um... Same thing. Yeah. yeah, Just keep myself busy. And, uh, out of trouble, too. Yeah. (laughs) And, um, I went to this art fair. And there was this dude that I have two of his pieces in my house. And he was a stencil artist. Mm. And his name was Mark Tuckerberg, I believe. And I really liked his stencil work so then I was like shit like I loved street art and I loved graffiti and I did some stuff when I was in high school and a little bit in college and I loved wheat pasting and then I was never wheat pasted oh I loved it yeah yeah and so then like I was just like I I'm just gonna start cutting some stencils so I started cutting some stencils and I realized I probably didn't have I really liked designing the stencils but I didn't really like cutting and spraying. <laughs> yeah. And it hurts your hands after a while. Yeah. And like, again, I'm pretty precise. Yeah. And I like things in a chaotic order, but still there's some order to it. And uh, stenciling, the overspray would piss me off. Controlled chaos. Yeah, controlled chaos. Yeah. Um, so I was looking through and I was like, I, I want a silkscreen. Like, that was something I was really interested in doing. And... I messed with silk screening beforehand, 
um, horribly failed, most of them. And um, basically what would happen was uh, I found this, uh, this is horrible, I'll make it real short, but I went, <laughs> I found there was this print studio where I'm from, and it was just ran by this, little, this lady who was amazing and too trustworthy. <laughs> and um, I go in there and I'm like, I want a silkscreen. And she's like, do you know how to? Yeah, I know how to. Well, that's that's the artist thing, right? Yeah. If Why anyone ask? asks you if you can do it, you just say you do, you can, yeah, and then figure it out later. So yeah. <laughs> so um, she's like, fine, and she gave me a key to her stu- her personal studio, hmm. and I would pay like a fee, and I was messing around with silk screening, and so I'd like basically watch YouTube videos and kind of read articles and forums, a lot of forums, because that was back in the day when like YouTube was just kind of coming out. Yeah. And I'd read a lot of forms and how to do stuff, and I literally DIY'd it all the way for a while. And then I started, like, just silkscreening and layering and doing all these layers to the point where... And then, like, learning about image transferring and just kind of started coming up with this layering transfers and then silkscreening on the final image on wood. And it's kind of funny. It's right over there. Yeah. That's my first one. Yeah, and so um, I was like, well, "Okay, this is kind of cool. I like this." But then there was a point where I was like, "Yeah, I'm dead broke, <laughs> and I, uh, you know, I have no money. I have no job. I have nothing, and I just keep messing around in this garage. All this work." So then I found this little organization that would host sh- art shows and put shows together. And I was like, "This is awesome!" And I talked to her and I showed my work, and she's like, "Yes, we love your work." Please join us and stuff. It was like a grandma watercolor. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know? And I totally realized it right off the bat, but was like, they're putting shows together. Yeah. So you got, like, freaking Teresa with this, like, potted plant of watercolors, which was nicely done, next to my Rocky Balboa with the Ultimate Warrior mask. <laughs> right. You know? Yeah, I've seen that one. <laughs> and so um, I did my first show... And I remember exactly where it was. I was at a baseball game. And I get a call. And they're like, yeah, you sold your work. And I'm like, what? I Were sold- you like, which one? No, I was just like, what? Like, someone bought it? And they're like, yeah, actually you sold a couple. Because I put, put, put a couple up. And I was like, wow, I made money? And so then, like, it was that point where I was like, not only do I like it, but maybe some people like it. You know, and not only will they like it, but they'll fish out money for it. Yeah. And so I just started making work, and I went to that print studio again, and I was like, I'd like to come here often, like a lot. <laughs> and just print. let me live here. Basically, <laughs> I was. So I'd go on the weekends. I I, worked, I found a part time job, worked on the weekdays, went on the weekends, and printed. But I mean, again, it was DIY printing. It was. Not the best practices. Still wood? Were you doing paper? Oh, it was just wood. Only yeah. wood. Um, so that was the funny thing. Going to a lumber yard yeah. and buying sheets of wood and asking them to cut it. And then going to you know Kinko's to get transparencies printed. And then go- ordering screens. And like I, at first, I didn't even know how to emulsion a silk screen. So I'd buy them pre-emulsioned. Uh-huh. And then expose them. And then I was so afraid, because I didn't know how to emulsion it properly, I was so afraid, I left that screen as is, and mm. would never strip it and reuse it. Just get another screen? Just get another screen. <laughs> how many screens did you have after, after like, that, cranking them out? At, when I did it, I, when I was doing it back home, I was there for about a year, I think I had about 20 to 25 Jeez. screens. That's yeah. crazy. You know, and um, with all burnt images in it and stuff then you know I I started doing um, I started doing a couple like little local shows coffee shops it was kind of funny because there's like this street where it's supposed to be the arts district and there was an art store and there was a couple there was a cool art gallery down the road and it was called Beaux-Arts Art and that was like it was run by graffiti artists and it was super cool there's a couple coffee shops and little things good spray paint selection in there in the art store yeah yeah oh yeah Montana's Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Hardcore ninety fours, yeah. ninety five. Was it ninety four or ninety five? Ninety four. Ninety four. Yeah. Um, I think they had the Germans and the Mexicans. And oh yeah. All different types of caps. Yeah. I love that art store. They were always awesome. <laughs> in it. 
And um, down that strip, I think in like six months, I showed at every place. <laughs> New work. Yeah. I just kept cranking it and cranking it to the point where then I actually got a job and I moved here. And that's when I, in like one month, I got a show, like randomly. It was the weirdest thing happened. I went to a show. Um, I kind of, I, I actually had like confidence for the first time in a long time. And sure. I went up to him and I said, I make art. And the guy's like, yeah. And I was like, yeah. And I was talking to a bunch of people. I got my first show here at the Upland Propaganda Room in the Murphy Art Center. Oh, yeah, and I I did I did a show there, and then they introduced me to this guy named Mike Graves, and that was just history. Like he got me a studio here in the Murphy Art Center, and then he um, was hanging my work up at restaurants around Indianapolis, and in that like year, my first year there, I don't think I ever held any of my artwork. It was always somewhere, which was really great. Yeah, that's and cool. It was selling, too. Yeah. And so, but the funny thing was, when I was selling, I had to make more. So I traveled back home yeah. and go back to that print studio and make more stuff. And then go to get wood, get art supplies, go to the print shop, print it in a weekend, and then hustle 10 more paintings. And I do it like every other month. Yeah, yeah. Because there was no resources. And I then, mean, oh. home was like, it's like a two hour? Three and a half. Three hour drive. Yeah. yeah. So that's that's a lot yeah. of travel. So then Mike got me the studio in the Murphy Art Center, and I was making work there more often, and then started DIYing a print shop in there. Yeah. And it was funny because when I got to the studio, they were like, okay, here's rent. And they were like, can you afford it? And I was like, yeah, I can. I could have. <laughs> Didn't even look at the number. No. Yeah. And um, then I, okay, um, I got to sell paintings, I got to hustle hard, and I also need to turn this into a gallery space. And that's when I created The Attic. And The Attic was showing, showcasing three artists every first Friday. And as you know, in that Murphy Art Center on first Friday back then, it was the spot to see art. Yeah, it was like there in the Harrison. Yeah. That's it. But it I mean, for us, it was like the more street art more yeah, yeah. just contemporary like really crazy art you know um when i started getting where i thought i was really good in the convention scene i started being like i i want to try and do a gallery if i can get into a gallery which i ended up getting into one it was the art bank yeah which was pretty much just you you show up you sign your contract and you're expected to you you pay rent they didn't take a cut and you just whatever you make is yours yeah so I got into there it's good it looks great on paper starting out but I didn't really sell anything there and then I was like okay that's that's a bit of a wash first time out I was only there for like three months or something but then I was like I want to be in the Murphy because it's the place to be it was yeah it was awesome yeah every every room was open it was either a music venue an artist studio or a gallery and, and you were like shoulder to shoulder sometimes. Always. Yeah, yeah. it's crazy. And then, um, you know, so my whole business plan was I show three artists, they pay a flat fee, and then anything that sells, a very low commission, so it would pay the taxes and any kind of fee that for credit card swipers yeah. or anything. Yeah. And I would also have print rack where my work would be in so I could make my own money. And I did but it. You weren't up on the walls. You were just. Nope, just in the just racks. Just in the racks, yeah. And, um, I did that for in there for the in the small space in the small space for two years yeah and I can truly say that I think maybe four or five months I actually had to pay out of pocket every time it paid my money crazy and um, I paid my rent and so it was good and like I started getting it was weird I started getting emails from people like hey you looking for artists and that that was kind of weird so I made a website and I, I did that kind of stuff and that was the cool thing was I started meeting all these artists and I wasn't like I could say I'm a curator but at the same time I was more of a, a guy with a good space to show work that was kind of became a friend like yeah. everyone I showed I either I loved your work and I, I'm a fan of your work and yeah. I'm still friends to them this day every yeah. day almost I would say like 80% of the artists I still talk to to this day and 
I then it got it was weird. like a, you were building a community. Yeah, yeah, it was. And then I got uh, I started to I, I need I needed a bigger space because this thing was only three hundred square feet. It was a square, perfect square, and I needed more space. I wanted more walls. I wanted more artists. I wanted more racks. Bigger. I wanted more everything. Yeah. And um, I talked to one of the companies that was in the Murphy Art Center. Do three one seven, and I actually did some freelance work for them beforehand, and I came up with something with them where they had this storage space on the second floor. I was on the third; it was called the attic for a reason. <laughs> yeah. But uh, the second floor was kind of the main drag, and I was like, I want more people. We we did get pe- lots of people, but I wanted more. I wanted more of everything, and I came up with a um, you know business plan with them. I said, Hey, this was your guys' lounge back in the day. You can you have your liquor license still there. You guys can serve beer, make it twenty one up, serve beer there as long as I can put work on the walls. And it became the Do Three One Seven Lounge and Gallery, and that just exploded. That really, I mean, our first show was um, Jason Rowland, who's a very well known artist in the Midwest. Yeah, uh, he's great. Aaron Scamhorn, I mean, also great, also great. And he then, and I have a weird history, and it's, it's yeah, a, it's a good history. And yeah. um, Corey Ziger. Which oh yeah, I love his silk screening. Yeah. So that was all three people people you still talk to. Yeah. Like, to this day, and maybe here. And, uh, <laughs> and um, so we did that show, and it was nuts. I remember we had the click counter, and our clicks were like twelve hundred people. Mm-hmm. And I remember our sales. What was the square footage there again? This was nine hundred. Nine hundred. So triple the amount. Yeah. And we had a. And like I didn't make anything off the bar. I didn't want. I just wanted to do this gallery. And so they gave me a key. I could set up a couple days ahead of time, um, clean it up, and did it for exactly a year there. And then after that, I got moved down to the second floor. I got a studio on the second floor because someone yeah. left. Yeah. And it was shared. It was three art studios and then a main room. It's like a quad almost. Yeah. And I shared it with a nonprofit called Primary Colors. And um, we switched off every month, every other month for gallery shows. Yeah. And I did a, some group shows, which you were in. You were yeah. also in the Do 317 Lounge. You yeah. did well. Yeah. yeah. And um, it, was a, what? it was a winter show. It was like December or something? Yeah, you were in December. Yeah. And it, I mean, that was a crazy... Which is weird, because I don't do conventions in the winter, just because yeah. I don't want to deal with the hassle of driving. Yeah. And I expect people to not really be wanting to drive either, or go yeah. out and spend money. But December was great. Uh, that thing was like... All the shows, I feel like, except maybe one or two out of the 12 shows that year at the lounge, I mean, I know we had over 100 people walk in. Yeah. And I know every artist I put up sold something. Yeah, you know, um, we did fantastic. I mean, I know people who've done galleries, and even myself personally, well recognized, established galleries, who don't even get those numbers or those sales. And yeah, it's a. I don't want to call it a fluke, but it's crazy. It was a fluke. <laughs> those numbers. I mean that the crazy. I mean, I I liked it because it was like it was kind of like. I, uh, I wanted to make my own gallery. It was a DIY pop-up. It was very punk rock. We yeah. just put stuff up. I made tags, made lists, made posters. We'd stick them around the neighborhoods. I mean... And the I, cool thing about that was like you, you, you had two artists each putting their stuff up on the walls. Yeah. And you give them a ton of posters. And yeah. you've got your own street team. Yeah, it was, like, it was self-marketing. Yeah. And working with D317 gave us free marketing, too. Yeah. And um, so they would promote it. I made web banners for them. It was it was really fun. And when I got the primary colors gallery, you know, I had that brand that you know I knew I learned from my lessons on what to do, what not to do. And I only knew like I only had three shows, and I was like, I gotta make these shows huge. They were events. Yeah, yeah. they were group shows. Yeah, and that like oh, this is like a little group show. I mean, we were twenty five artists plus some kind of activity or event within the gallery so there was that one the one up which is probably my favorite still this day that was great man you know 20 artists that did uh video games we brought in pinball games and uh vintage arcade games to play see the art we sold half the work and that's where your uh dog meat from fallout was yeah and then also then because i helped you hang yeah you helped me dude yeah well that's that's uh shit man (laughs) uh 
You were, but there was a ton of stuff, man. Yeah. Well, during that time, you 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 helped me with do three one seven lounge. You know, after it was kind of funny because after I met you, then like three months later, I think I emailed you like, hey, you want a show? Someone canceled. Yeah, someone canceled. I was like, hey, you want a show? And then you're like, yeah, and you did well. And then it helps that I do a con a month, so I've always got. Yeah, like a work. more crate full of work yeah. to put up. And then I remember I was like, hey, you're pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> and then like we started hanging out, and then it was like, hey, I'm starting to run two galleries at once, which was the th- Do 317 Lounge and Primary Colors. Yeah. And I was like, I'm overworked because I'm spending – I know I'd, I would spend probably – five to ten hours a week promoting doing something with this gallery yeah and i was like and i always and i have anxiety i know that yeah that where i was like i can't be at these showings anymore i just i would buckle i'd get stressed i'd get moody as your previous in the um bookstore it, like you know how to work a register you know how to talk to people well it's easy because it seems like you do conventions you do art fairs everybody uses square yeah so that interface is Universal. I could do that in my sleep. Yeah. yeah. So you started helping me with the lounge, and I would do primary. And then after primary, then I kind of, you know, some stuff went down, and I kind of packed up the galleries and said, no more. Yeah. I'm done. I've overworked myself beyond belief. I also didn't make much work yeah. in that two yeah. years. You were showing two, other people's stuff. Yeah, and those two, three not years. Not showing yours. No. And I said, I'm going to start working on my stuff. I found a print shop around here. I learned the best practices, and now I've been making my work, and it's all large, uh, large format paintings, and it's multiple layers on canvas, uh, multiple silk screens on canvas. You know, throughout those years, I would dabble. I'd make. That was the funny thing. I was like, I can look back, and uh, my time here has been four years or five years, and I'd make like ten paintings a year, and now I'm making. I could say probably double, triple the amount of paintings in a print every week. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so I mean, if you've got if you're if you're booked for like a gallery space, you make an entire series, which is like ten paintings. More than that, my last my last show side jobs was twenty five. Yeah, you know, so um, you're taking your normal average and you're you're doing that for a month. Yeah, <laughs> your yearly average is now a month's average. Yeah, so yeah, I, you know, I've done art fairs, I've done conventions, I've done galleries. Um, you know, I've shown in Ann Arbor, Toledo, Ohio, Columbus, Indianapolis, Chicago, Louisville. So, you know, I've shown around around the Midwest. I've done all different sorts. I've learned so many different lessons. And I think, you know... So many venues, too. I mean, yeah. not just art fairs, but like coffee shops. Yeah. Everywhere. Restaurants. Yeah. So, you know, I think this podcast is going to be pretty fun, too. I got some history. I got some experience to talk about. Yeah. Um... So yeah, I, I've been on both sides, curation, now I'm just an artist, you know, and uh, I'm focusing on that now, so I'm, I'm super stoked yeah. to see what's going to come. Me too. You know? So we've been doing this a while. Yeah, we've got some experience. I mean, some goods it, and bads. Don't they say after a year it's a career? Mm. <laughs> I think it's when you go broke, it's a career. Yeah, something like that. You know, when you start spending more on your supplies than making money. Right. Um, but yeah, that's that's a little bit about me. Um, you know, I'm more focusing on the art now, which is I'm really excited. For. Yeah, which is interesting because I'm I'm starting to get into where you were. You flipping? You're yeah. Good. You want to be a curator now? A little bit. A little I got bit. A, I got a taste, and you well, got okay. You, you got your all, LLC. So, okay. You got. You're looking at commercial spaces. Well, yeah. I mean, I'm not. I'm gonna say a little bit in the sense of uh, I crunch numbers, and I don't think I can actually make the money. To get the gallery, just a pure gallery, white walls, put your stuff up, we'll make money together kind of thing. So I gotta, I'm, I'm looking at doing a coffee shop slash gallery at this point. Yeah. But yeah, basically, Switching I'm looking walls. to do the curation bit now too. And that's mostly just because I'm tired of working retail. And See, I'm t- I was tired of uh, and I feel like other people's work. I wanted to hustle more of mine. You handed me just a gold mine of all these ex uh, people that you've shown before. Yeah. I mean, I can tell you, I know this. Three years I did gallery work. I showed over 72 artists. I did over 35 plus shows. And 
I mean, I don't regret anything. I, I enjoyed it so much, but it took so much out of me. Put it together. I mean, every time it was a pop-up shop, basically. Yeah. You know? Uh, Which is definitely the benefit of just getting a storefront. Yeah. You don't have to build it up and break it down every first Friday. Oh, my God. I remember that. It was a pain, dude. It was a pain. (laughs) You know? And then, you know, again, that that took so much time out of my art. So I was like, I want to focus on my art. And uh, for me, at least, it was... I think it was the right decision to kind of hit the reset button and yeah. really focus on what I what I'm here for. I know I'm here to make art, so here I am making art. That's me. Yeah, <laughs> we've had a very similar path. Yeah, I mean, like I can't believe it's been three years we've met each other. You know, we've gotten a lot of work done in three years. <laughs> yeah, from doing conventions together, you know, having sharing tables and just being at the convention to helping me with the gallery work, breaking down stuff for each other. Yeah, you know. And now kind of, you know, doing some silkscreen stuff together, too. Yeah. And now a podcast. Well, I've, I've got this thing where, like, I don't I don't have family. So I just, just friends or family. Yeah, and, you always say that. And if you, if you help me out, I'm indebted, you know. <sighs> and because I can't get to where I'm at now without getting help to get there. Yeah. And I mean, it's like, you know, there's that, that, that group of artists yeah. that you and I both talk that are just constant sources of, 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 of help inspiration and stability stability yeah you get down on yourself oh yeah doing this oh you know me and it's good to have people to lean on yeah so i i don't know i'm always down to help and i think this is a good thing for other people that we might not know that will listen to podcasts yeah and it'll be interesting because it'll be running coinciding with me trying to get a gallery up and running yeah so it'll be cool to see the all the angles the journey through it yeah all right so with this podcast, um, it's always a two-part. There's us talking and then leading up to an interview on the next part. So in this part, um, we've created this little section called Around the Table. Yeah. And it's kind of stuff that we really enjoy that we've seen in the past weeks or something. It could be artists, marketing, branding, um, movies, games. This is kind of like the general chat. So I could, uh, I'll just kick it off. Yeah. All right. Yeah. One artist I really caught my eye recently is this I Am Steelberg. Okay. Um, I showed it to you recently. This guy is taking movies, like VHS cover sleeves, you know, the old, the old school big boxes. Yeah. And putting new movies on it, but making it look old. Like yeah. you're picking up from a, like almost like a half price books or something. Or like a mom and pop video store. Yeah. And he has like the old worn tears and stuff. And so I'm, I'm digging it. So, like, He's done this, he's done a few. He's done this, like, Logan, which is fantastic, by the way. He's done Stranger Things, Evil Dead, John Wick, The oh, Lobster. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah. So, and everything is very, like, VHS, new retro wave. Yeah. Really bring in, you and me both love that aesthetic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, I know, it's, that's a weird thing that's been coming up recently, is this, like, playing with nostalgia yeah. kind well, of thing. It sells. It sells, because you're familiar with it. I don't know what it is, but it's really fun. I mean, that's that's pretty much exactly what Stranger Things was. Yeah. 100% is just, you're touching on all these subjects that you already know and you're familiar with, but like putting a modern twist on it, which is exactly what he's doing. And yeah. It, it works. I, I, I dig him. Yeah. Um, if you guys are interested in it, um, his Instagram name is I, I am Steelberg. Check it yeah. out. Fantastic stuff. And then my other thing I did was, uh, so as I've, developed my silk screen for the past god eight years i think now um i did my first blend for the first time i was never interested in doing it until i saw some stuff again this like retro wave yeah this vhs rising sun do you want to explain what a blend is i don't know if that, that that's great because outside of the yeah silk screen kind of world no one knows what the fuck i'm talking about silk like, screening is it's i don't even know how you would describe it really yeah uh it's a printmaking process um, you're using, you know, frame with mesh on it, where you use a uh, motion, like super fine detail. Mesh. Yeah, yeah, super fine detail. Um, you put this chemical that looks like ooze, something that like it's like gack. Yeah, it really is. <laughs> where then um, you would expose it at a high um, exposure using lights, and it creates a perfect stencil, just like cutting a stencil. Yeah. But it could be almost more detailed. I mean. Uh yeah, mine's mine's all analog. Yeah, <laughs> mine, mine's more through a machine. You're where, digital. Yeah, <laughs> where then you can, 
where you put or place ink through, and then you press it. It does have a, it is an analog feel though, because you're yeah. layering. Yeah, exactly. Um, screens, because it's one color per screen to create an image. Like the I don't know who are the famous like screen printers like the Mondo. Big, well, let's go old school. With yeah, Andy Warhol. Yeah, Warhol. Warhol, Rauschenberg. Um, uh, Lichtenstein, does he do? No, he, he was paint, he was just painting. He was paint, really. Yeah. Um, so, Robert Rauschenberg is my favorite. I think most of my influences come through him, and then Andy Warhol. Today's day and age, I mean, there's tons. There's so many. Um, Any of these like independent poster production companies, like Mondo. Yeah. Um, what was that one you sent me the other day? Oh, I can't remember. I can't either. I can't remember, but. I mean, a lot of people love silkscreen posters these days. It's become so big. It's got that handmade thing yeah. that everybody loves. Yeah, I mean, everybody wants something one of a kind. Editioned, yeah. Yeah. Like, I'm going to make 25 of these. 25 will only exist. Um, it's going crazy. But a blend is basically taking multiple colors and putting it on one screen and silkscreening it simultaneously until it blends. Um, yeah, the typical silkscreen process is like each color is a layer. Yep. Yeah. So and each screen. Yeah. So if you so you would have to silk screen your magenta and then get a new screen, process that, silk screen your yellow. This is where I put yellow, magenta, and cyan in, in the same tray or in the same screen and just kept pulling it until the ink started to basically fuse with each other or mix. Like a gradient. Yep, and create yeah. a gradient. So then the magenta and yellow create orange and the cyan and magenta create violet or purple and kind of blended. And it takes, it's long process. It yeah. takes so many test prints before you actually want to use your um, your good paper, your poster paper. And um, I did it for the first time. I was never really interested in doing it for a while. And I kind of tried it out, and it turned successful. I really liked it. I really enjoyed it. Why did you never do it before? Is it just kind of intimidating a little bit? No, it just wasn't up my alley and my yeah. aesthetic. Yeah. You know, um, mine was always just layering screens on top of each other, almost right. like a massive test print. And um, you know, again, you and me have both been getting into this like new retro wave aesthetic. And, yeah. Yeah. You know, they use a lot of gradients and a lot of like neon and reflective light and that's really been I've been looking at that and listening to that for the past six months yeah and very influenced through that where it is a lot of blends and I wanted to try it so I just tried it and I'll definitely be doing it again sometime down the road yeah it's a lot of like radiance and like framework yeah pretty cool yeah so it's a good stark contrast it is so I like it and then like with that I've been kind of messing around with like repetitive patterns like wallpaper patterns almost mm -hmm. And so I definitely, I think I'm going to be using those two aesthetics in my new, my next stuff, my next series. Cool. Don't know really what the concept is going to be, and it's not really for a show. Uh, I just want to keep making work, yeah. Exercises. Yeah, so I like to like kind of mess with a lot of prints, like small prints first, and kind of experiment with like aesthetic and concepts before I actually go large on canvas. So yeah, yeah that's, that's kind of like the stuff I did this week. How about you, Brian? I mean... When was that last show I did? It was a whirlwind weekend that I had. Mighty two, two, two weeks, two weeks, two weeks ago, because that was a that was a crazy day. Because <laughs> Friday night poker game, did my normal poker game that I do. Poker game. Yeah, I play poker at a house show, so I had to stay up for that. Because you got to make that scratch, man. <laughs> and then Saturday it was the Mighty Con show. Which is the this this group that they've got their own comic shop up in the Chicago area. I think it's called Mighty Comics or something. Geek Inc. Comics maybe is the name of their website. But they do these staggered shows, these staggered really small conventions that are just one day. So they do one in Madison, Wisconsin, one in Milwaukee, and the other in a suburb of Chicago, DuPage, and then they've started doing St. Louis. So they, they do they do these like one day shows that are like just back issues. Uh, some artists, not a ton. It's a really tiny artist alley, but they're they're super cheap. They're super fun. So I did that show, and it was kind of weird because I'd stayed up all Friday because uh, I did that poker game, and I'd worked the day job that day. 
and then I drove up to Milwaukee. Yeah. And everything's kind of a blur, really. So with the with the Mighty Con, yeah. But I've done a, a, a good amount of them. They're yeah. they're great to pad your schedule with because they're one day shows. You can get in and in out. out. Yeah. So um, this one was in Milwaukee, correct? Yes. And you know how was it? Um, it was okay. the The Milwaukee show, I get some of them confused up there because they do three different shows up in that area. Yeah. And I kind of get the venues a little screwed up in my head. But I think that this one was at a different venue than the previous time I'd been there. This was at the county fairground. Indoors or out? Indoors. I pretty much only do indoors because I don't have a tent. Yeah. And that's just a pain in the ass. See, I'm the opposite. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I do all outdoor shows now. The attendance was up from previous times I'd been there, but, like, sales were down. And I don't think it was just me because I talked to some of the vendors. It was, like... Across the board, and it, it was just because it was at the fairgrounds, and they were doing like a little county fair, yeah, kind of thing, which brought in people that weren't necessarily intending to come to the show. They were just like, "Cool, let's go check it out." Walk in. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and tickets were super cheap to get in. So, I mean, I don't blame anybody. And I was so just whacked out of my mind from the lack of sleep that I kind of was just like, "I want to get out of here." Yeah, and go home and go to bed. So, when's your next one? Uh, the next one currently as of this date is in two weeks by the time people listen to this i'll have already gone to it but that's in uh raleigh north carolina raleigh supercon i think is the name of it and it looks really big and i'm kind of nervous about it are you making work yeah yeah i've got some stuff i haven't made ton of stuff but i've got stuff left over you got a lot of backlog yeah i've got a lot of backlog but i'm doing like a a wonder woman piece i'm probably gonna get this elvira piece done Mm -hmm. The Wonder Woman's just on vinyl. The Elvira is going to be a plexiglass piece. I'm starting to do this, like, series of pinup models. Yeah. Because I love those old, like, Gil Elfgren 50s pinup magazines. They're super fun. And they're, like, really pulpy and, like, trash. (laughs) You know? That's a great way to explain your work. It's really trash. I mean... Art isn't necessarily necessary. Yeah. Nobody needs it, but you do. <laughs> you know? So, kind of going off this Mighty Con. Yeah. Um, and to spoiler alert, our next episode will be interviewing two awesome friends and yeah. artists, yeah. Uh, Epion 5 and Katrina. They both are convention artists. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's where I met both of them. Yeah. What was that? So... These two artists, they, yeah. they're convention artists, but not only are they convention artists, they're full-time. Like, they Yeah, do like, this, they don't have a day job like you and I. Yeah, they do this... This is their job. Yeah, is art, and then going to conventions almost every week. Do you envy that? No. <laughs> and I think it'll be a good discussion yeah. the next episode, is kind of like the work I have to do and put in every single week... And if you're up for it and you have that mentality for it, then that's something you could pursue. But for me, personally, I don't think I'm, I'm up for that. In my heart, I, I want to do that, yeah. but I know I couldn't do it. It's, I mean, that's a lot of work. Yeah, and I can't wait to hear their point of view on that. Um, but there are, and we'll, we'll go more in depth next episode, is that there are some really good artists at conventions. Yeah, yeah. I I mean, I I constantly am, you know, running into creative people that are just like, I don't know how to get into it. I don't know how you do it. It's like, just buy a table at a convention and put your stuff up. Yeah. And same goes to people that are like, you know, you're getting a new house and they're like, we need new art. We need stuff on the yeah. walls. And go to a convention. Yeah. I mean, it's not all like... Go to an art fair. Yeah. Don't go to a... I mean, you can go to a gallery... But, like, you're going to find a lot of stuff at conventions, and yeah. I don't think people necessarily think of going it to doesn't, for It's art. not always superhero stuff. No. No, no, no. That's no. what I really like now. Is, but, like, it's not... It's it's pop culture, but it's not all just superhero stuff. And one thing when I did some conventions was there are some really good business people. But also there's other ones and good marketing brands and, like, people doing packaging and people... Yeah. How they, yeah. How they present themselves and how they... Uh, the brand is not just on the paper, but it's on all the collateral. It's on the website. It's on the display. It's everywhere. It's yeah. who they are and what they do. 
And I can't wait to talk about that because I feel like they do it very well. I think that they have some good insight for anybody that's interested in doing um, comic book, pop culture, horror conventions like themselves. Or just art in general. Yeah. And trying to get it going. I mean, I think that that's kind of the, the general thesis of the show is how do you do that? Yeah. And, and what, what is What does it? it take? Yeah, because, I mean, you've done it. You've seen conventions. Because every convention, you kind of run into the same people. Yeah. At every show, especially in the Midwest, there's, there's a set amount of cons. And we all kind of go to the same ones to show work. So you run into those people. And then there's times where you, like, you see someone, and then you don't see them ever again at a show. Yeah. And you saw their table, like it was just kind of hastily put together. And there, I think there's a stigma to a convention where I think people think that you can just get a table and throw it together. There's like oh, it's a marketing. Thought. Yeah, it's a thought process. It really is a process. You're setting up a business yeah. to do it. That's your storefront. You know, I, I will be honest, I couldn't do it. That's why I stopped doing conventions. You could do it. <laughs> you could I, do it, and you did do it. I did do it for some time, and I had some really good conventions. Yeah. And then I had some very low conventions. I and think if you went back out there, I think you could do it. Yeah. My stuff is just, I don't think it's very pop culture anymore. It's more conceptual. But, you know, I mean, it's right up your guys' alley. Um, I keep, stressful. That's really what it is. It is. It's And it's it, it takes a lot out of you. Yeah. You know? And especially how you not only have to be at the conventions and work those weekends, but then you have to come back and make more work mm-hmm. and stock up your inventory and find out, you know, get in that mindset of going back out and, you know, setting up that storefront. Yeah. It's going to be interesting. And we're going to talk about all different types of convention artists, the convention life, um, talk about, you know, how to start it too. Because, like, I'd love to hear his first convention, my first convention, yours. I'd yeah. love to hear all our first convention experiences, the good ones, the bad ones. It's going to be a great episode, Brian. Yeah, I think so, too. I think that wraps up episode one. That's it? We did it? Yeah, I think we did it. That's pretty cool. Yeah. It's like we just did our talk that we normally talk about. Yeah. You feel good? I, I feel good. <laughs> I feel good. Okay. Well, that wraps it up. I'm Jake Lee. Brian Arisol. We'll see you next time. Are we say your name every time? Maybe. That's marketing, dude. That is marketing. <laughs> okay. For any questions and inquiries, please check aobpodcast.wordpress.com. And if you like the show and want to ask us a question or two, please do that at aobpodcast at gmail.com. That's aobpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.